And I want to ask you, who are your five influencers? If those five people have a big effect on you, who are the people that influence you the most? And they may not be people you do anything with. It might be a certain pundit on TV or a radio talk show host that you listen to all the time. It might be a teacher that you listen to all the time. Who is influencing you? Now, please hear me. I don't want to say we need to cut ourselves off from the world altogether. The whole idea of Christian evangelization and mission is to engage the world and the stuff in the world. Here's the trick. When you engage the world, are you influencing them or are they influencing you? Which way is the flow going? When you're with another person, one-on-one, -on -one, you can tell which way the flow is going. You can tell which, which person is influencing which person. It's okay to be out in the world if you're influencing that person, but if that person is influencing you, if the flow is coming back at you, then all of the gook in the world is coming your way. And you can hang around with the most awful, rotten people for missional reasons, for evangelistic reasons, if the flow is going the right way. But if they start to affect the way you talk and you act and you think, then it's different. So Jesus never calls us to be cut off from the world. In fact, he was hanging around with tax collectors and sinners all the time. But guess what? He never had trouble with the flow going his way. He was a big personality, and his, his flow was always going out into other people and continues to. Who knows what I'm talking about? You can tell in a uh, conversation who's influencing who. I love to be around older, wise people and let them influence me. You just feel it kind of flowing into you. You're thinking, this person has been around the block longer than me. This person knows more than me, and I'm benefiting from that. Or in your vocation, to hang around with someone else in your vocation who's got more mileage than you, who understands things. Like if you're in music, someone who's farther along than you. You're going to be influenced by that person, and that's a really, really good thing. We're influenced by the TV we watched. I went to bed the other night, and I won't tell you what show it was, but we watched a perfectly normal TV show, and I went to bed depressed because it, started, it was very dark, and it started to influence the way I, I went to bed feeling dark. And you can't influence the people on the TV because they're not there. So you've got to be really careful with TV because that's often influencing us, and it's not going both ways at all. And so we have to be super careful with one-way media. Social media, on the other hand, can be two ways. It can go both ways. You can influence people, and they can influence you. But radio, TV, it's all coming at you. You're not influencing Bill O'Reilly. It's not happening. He's, he's fired anyways, but he's, he's not even there. So what, what I'm saying is you've you got to be really careful with one-way media because that can get us thinking a certain way. And who thinks that media often has an agenda to make us think a certain way? And if you watch enough of it, you start thinking ways that you don't want to think. So you've got to pay attention to who's influencing who. And why is that? because there's something called neuroplasticity. Now, neuroplasticity is something we've discovered in the last five or 10 years in a big way. Neuroplasticity is the fact that anything in your behavior and thinking can be changed. We used to think, and when I was, went to college in psychology class, they said, by the time you're five years old, you're sort of set and you can't really change. And that's not true. It turns out virtually anything about the way you think and behave can be transformed. But it only can be transformed in general by a group of influencers. Why do 12-step groups work so well? Because you're around people influencing you. You're around people 
who are helping you along in your journey to recovery for whatever it is you're recovering from. And that's why it's so effective. If you're just watching a screen about uh, bad habits that you want to break, it's not going to work as well as being in a group of people that are all there for the purpose of influencing you. And that's why 12-step groups are so effective. I think everybody ought to be in recovery for something. Uh, I just think it's a real, real good idea to find that thing and be around those people because they can help you work through whatever it is that's a problem in your life. And you can't do it on your own because you can't influence yourself. You've tried it with diets. You've tried it with resolutions. People, if you want a diet, get together with six people and meet every week and work on, work on it together. And have at least two or three of those people be super fit because they will influence the rest of you also. It's impossible to do this on our own. So neuroplasticity says you've got to be really careful with one-way media and you've got to be really careful with who you're around all day. I feel sorry for kids who grow up in families that feed their kids too much. It's really hard for them to break out of that. It's hard for them to get to escape velocity, to be, around, to be away from that. I've gone to visit families before where they're just eating all the time. All the time. While they're, talk, they're talking to them, they're just eating all the time. And if you grow up in that and you love your parents, and you should, and the parents love the kids, it's really hard to break out of that into a healthier lifestyle. Now, I don't want to pick on them because that's a visible habit. We all have issues, and we all need to work on those issues. Just because ours don't show in public doesn't mean we shouldn't be working on those things. So we have to be around people who help us move forward. And that's the whole gist of this text today. So let's open our Bibles, look at your phones, whatever you want to look at here. Acts 2, 36 through 38, we're going to start with. And that's what this passage is all about. And I don't often do this, but you guys should all be like Tamara. Tamara is taking notes. I've never seen her at a Christian thing where she's not taking notes. And people who take notes will be first in the kingdom of heaven. It's in the Bible somewhere. I, know, I just know it. <laughs> taking notes is a really important thing. So bring your notebooks, and uh, if you bring your own Bible, put stuff in the sides. Even if you're using one of our Bibles, if you put notes on the side, you'll remember it better. And you can write in our Bibles. Yes, you can. So go ahead. Let me set the stage for you. Acts 2, 36 and following. The Holy Spirit has shown up. In Jerusalem, Jesus is no longer there physically. And the Holy Spirit gets a hold of people, and there's this massive experience that people have. And people start speaking in tongues. And the cynics around them say, they're just drunk. And Peter says, uh, folks, it's only 9 in the morning, but if you lived on Main Street like I do, you know that 9 in the morning is, uh, people can be drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. But, uh, but anyways, Peter gets up and says, you folks, because of the company you keep, let me say that again, you folks in the crowd, and who here gets worried about kids getting in with the wrong crowd? You folks in a Middle Eastern crowd, in Jerusalem. Who's seen pictures of Middle Eastern crowds getting out of hand? Like every night on the news for the last 40 years. These crowds start working up and people get like what they call the blind eye and next thing you know there's this group thing that happens. It happens at rock concerts. It happens wherever. We're. Kim is up here leading worship hoping she can influence you. And to the 
to the extent we can, we open ourselves up to her influencing us by singing stuff from the Bible. Virtually all the songs she sings are from the Bible. To influence us, that's what music is for. It's what worship is for. So, the crowd is cynical. And Peter basically stands up to a Middle Eastern crowd. Who here would have trouble standing up to a Middle Eastern crowd? I would just head for the tour bus and get out of there. Just, I would, would not want to be there. But he stands up to the Middle Eastern crowd and says, you guys are the ones who killed Jesus and it's your fault. And the reason it's your fault is because you're hanging around with each other and the way you're thinking is toxic. So toxic that you ended up killing the Messiah. And he says, but I've got a better way for you. So, verse 36, let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. He says, okay, he was the Messiah. You killed him, he says in a previous verse. We talked about that last week. Not just the Messiah, the super Messiah, the cosmic Messiah, the, the Messiah of the whole universe, not just Israel. And you guys blew it because of the group think you are a part of. And in that group, they were all shouting what on Good Friday? crucify him. And you know what? You might have done the same thing if you were in the crowd. So might have I. We get caught up in what's happening around us. It's easy for that to happen. <coughs> Look at the old propaganda movies from World War II. The Leni Riefenstahl movies of, of Hitler. They're just incredibly moving. And if you watch those things, you could end up marching along with the whole thing. Napoleon would show up in the early 1800s to villages and people just follow him because he was so influential. He had that aura around him and people would go off to their death following Napoleon. And the people in the crowd had shouted, Crucif he's talking the same crowd that crucified Jesus. And he says, it's because of your group think that you missed what was going on. And we can miss the truth if we're in our group think. And the problem, one of the problems with social media right now is everybody hangs around with people who think just like them. And it starts to accelerate. And all the bad people think all things wrong and we think all things good and people lose their sense of objectivity. This happened in Jerusalem at the same time. You had the people get it and the people don't and they completely live. You ever talk to people and you think, we're living in different worlds when they explain that I'm just living in a different world than you. Well, Peter has a solution to this division that was happening at the time and a solution for us too so verse 37 Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles brothers what should we do well if we kill the Messiah what should we do Peter replied verse 38 each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of the same person you crucified You've got to reconnect with what happened just weeks ago. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now here's where there's a really bad translation. I'm looking at the NLT here, and it says, each of you must repent of your sins. I kid you not, I hadn't noticed this before, we were in the prayer meeting this morning, you've got to come to the prayer meeting at 915 because big stuff happens we found a bunch of new stuff that I've been studying this all week. I didn't see this. The word sins isn't in the original Greek. Think about that. That's, that's a bad translation, a really bad translation. 
The word is metanoesata, and the word metanoia, which means come to a higher thinking. It was your lower thinking based on the crowd that got you in trouble. Come to a higher thinking. Metanoia doesn't mean to repent, say sorry for the bad things you did. Metanoia means come to a higher understanding. Noia is mind, metanoia is come to a higher mind. Who thinks that's a whole lot cooler than say sorry for what you did? The reason you did this is not because you're bad people. The reason you did this is because you're in the wrong crowd. And you're going to take on the attitudes of the people you're around. And the crowd killed Jesus. No one person did. The crowd thing got going, and next thing you know, it happened, and you guys killed the Messiah. And they were cut to the heart when Peter explained that to them. What should we do? Come to a different way of thinking, because you will always do in accordance with what you believe. People say, oh, I believe, I just don't do it. No, you always do what you believe. You always do what you believe. We have to change the way we think in order to act differently. And to change the way we think, we have to be around better people. And if we're around better people, we're going to think better thoughts. And if we think better thoughts, we're going to be doing better actions. You can't just on your own say, I'm sorry, I'm going to do better next time. How does that work for you now? It doesn't work for any of us. What works is being a part of a community like the one we're in right now, sitting down together, this is why I love church, why church going is so, oh, I don't need church, I just have a relationship with Jesus on the golf course. Well, good for you. You're not around people who are influencing you. You might love Jesus, good for you. But you're not growing in your faith because you're not around people on a regular basis who are all dedicated to living a better life on a weekly basis on Sunday. And if you show up, it will change the way you are. People, I am no more moral or ethical than any of you. I'm real average. You know what saved me from really bad stuff in my life? Going to church every week. Because I'm continually around people who think good thoughts and want to do better. And no, they're not perfect, but they're trying. And I want to be around people who are trying. And if I'm around people who are trying, I'm going to get better. Over time. And that saved me from so much bad stuff to be in a community. Peter replied, each of you must come to a higher mind, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, the Messiah whom you crucified, because you, you missed the whole thing, for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What's craziest, what's coming, is he's going to invite them to water baptism. We're doing that today. We did not plan this. It is fascinating how the Holy Spirit lines up what we're doing with what's happening. I didn't notice this until this week. I thought, whoa, how cool that we're doing baptisms today. And this is the passage. This is the first Christian baptism. There were baptisms before, but those were Jewish baptisms. This is the first account, because there's no church until Acts 2. This is the first account of a Christian baptism. And we're going to be reading this now, which is amazing. And I hope none of you miss it because watching adults get baptized is probably one of the most moving things you can watch in person. It's not the same as watching it on TV. There's something about being there. Jump in the water with us and help us baptize the people. It's, it's, you get even better experience if you're out there in the water. I know it's cold, the whole thing, but uh, do it anyways. For the promise is to you and your children, once again relational, 
because what we do affects our children. How we act affects our children. And to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Be saved from the group that got you in trouble in the first place. Get out of this bunch of people. Now, you can go back to this people all you want in missional terms, but just make sure the flow is going that way and not the other way. Make sure you're influencing them and they're not influencing you. The whole idea of being a missionary or evangelist is to, is to influence other people. If they're influencing you, then you're not doing it right. Be saved from this perverse generation. Hit escape velocity. Build up enough speed to get out of this orbit. My wife and I almost adopted a baby when we were 50. And people don't normally do that. But we went through like 20 different people we wanted her to adopt into. And she said, no, we want you to. So we finally said, okay, I guess. But then her old friends came and basically kidnapped her and the baby was about to be born from his nesting place and brought her back into the old circle of drugs and gangs and everything else. And it didn't have to be us. That wasn't the point. Some, but, but I wanted someone to save that kid from that, from that world. Because you're in that world, you're going to continue to be thinking those thoughts, doing those things, and having those standards. I don't know where the kid is or where the mom is now, but they, they came and took her out right before childbirth and said, you know, we want you back in our little gang. Well, that little gang is nothing but trouble. Now, we still care about that gang. We still want to reach, we want to reach those people. But we don't want to be like those people. We want to have a positive attitude. We want to have a faith-filled attitude in life. So, basically, Peter's saying this whole crowd, which is really gutsy, with the Middle Eastern crowd. I want you all to achieve escape velocity away from this group. I want you to get out of this way of thinking. Completely. So he says, I want you to be saved from this generation. Not from sin, not from death, not from the devil, not from hell. Those things are all true. Those are talked about other places in the Bible, but that's not what Peter's talking about. Peter says, I want to save you from the people you're with. There's no evidence that he's talking about anything else here. I want you to be saved from this perverse generation. The people you're with, they're thinking wrong. That aren't having a higher spiritual mind. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. He invites them to get baptized as a way of cleansing themselves from their old life as a symbol of joining a new community. Baptism means lots of things. In this case, he's saying, I want it to be a sign of washing away the old way of thinking and taking on a new way of thinking. So that's pretty cool stuff. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That was a big crowd. That's a crowd so big you can barely speak to it if you have a loud voice. And you hope there's not some kid crying in the back because it'll get drowned out. It's amazing to be able to speak to a group that big and to turn the group around and to have 3,000 of them choose to go to escape velocity. I want out of this, I want out of this social life. I want into a new one. I want to be around people who are good to each other and help each other. 
And they counted, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of the bread and in prayers. They started hanging out together and eating together. The cool thing about Christians is we always eat together and we always have too much food. There's always too much out here and you really can't leave till we eat it all or take it home. And we're going to have fried chicken at the, at the baptism. So come on out to Seabridge Park. Well, you know, I'm not ready. Just come on out. Come on out and eat with us. There's something about eating together which makes a big difference. Even on days we don't have a potluck, we at least have communion. We, we eat something. You know, we want to eat and drink. And th- there's that celebration, that sacramental celebration of eating together. Last night we were eating together with wonderful young families. And it was, Mark, you, we were sitting at our table. It was fabulous. The, the family from Egypt, your friends, some other people. It looked like the United Nations. There was no one ethnicity. It was just all these different people sitting together and talking, and it was so much fun. And we were eating. The Apostles' Doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Breaking of bread is listed even before prayers. Think about that. That's a big deal. And koinonia, fellowship. Who's heard the word koinonia? Usually at a Bible camp, there's at least one building called koinonia. That's just one of those Bible camp things. But koinonia means having everything in common, sharing your lives together, helping each other out. That means with financial stuff, with job searches, with opportunities, with real life stuff. Koinonia, helping each other out. Zach and Austin here have helped us out a lot with social media. I mean, no big deal to them. They just met with us a couple times and boom, uh, that's koinonia. That's helping, ourself, that's helping each other out in what you're doing. You bring what you bring to the table. Some people are musicians. The whole UCB family can play about 20 instruments. They, they share that with us. That's their thing. So have some of that. Uh, share what it is you have in koinonia and commonness with everybody. You share your gifts and some good things will happen here. Chris shares her gifts for leadership with, with his nesting place. And she's taken our his nesting place to a whole new level, our relationship with him. Now, is she a better person than the rest of us? Of course not. I'm not saying that. But she's sharing her passion, her gifting, and it's making a difference. So don't try to fit in here. Share what you're good at. Share what you're best at. Apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. They were brought into a new community which leads to a changed life. Come out of the old, come into the new. Let me say that again. Come out of the old, come into the new, because the people you hang around with, you will become like them. So be really careful who you hang out with. I wouldn't hang around with people who use bad language. I, I just think... I think bad language, it's, it's not a prudish thing. Believe me. Cops and pastors have heard all the worst stuff. We've been with people in lockup. We've been in jails. We, you, oh, sorry, pastor. Sorry, Padre, I shouldn't have said that word. Oh, I've heard those words. Believe me. We hear more of them than you can imagine. It's not because I'm a prude. Using bad language creates bad spiritual weather around you. Your words create reality. Words are very powerful. And we want to use positive words. We don't want to be complainers. We don't want to be whiners. <laughs> I'm so proud of my wife. We went, we went camping one night this week, one night overnight at Hannah Flats in Big Bear with our tent. And 
Wendy slips on some gravel and jams her arm. I thought it was probably broken. I would have cried. She didn't cry. And then we're pulling into the, the camp spot and there's these little concrete things to keep you from parking in the wrong place. And she turns around and hits one with her little toe and her little toe is sticking straight out sideways. At that point, I would have just fainted. You know, <laughs> I'd be out of there. <laughs> I know. But, you know, Wendy says, you know, let's tape, th let's tape it to the other toe. <laughs> so she straightened it out, taped it to the other toe, and she says, I don't want this to wreck our time. Let's have a good campfire. And I'm thinking, you just mangled your arm. You just, your toe's sticking out sideways. But she had a good attitude. And that's the kind of people we want to be around. You don't want to be around people who are cynical, who are always finding fault, who are always complaining about things. Everyone's an expert. Everybody's complaining about, you know, the government or the Sacramento or whatever. You know, you complain about this, complain about that. Oh, good for you. I want to be around people who want to fix things. Believe me, in churches, people always have suggestions. So let's do this. Let's do that. We should do this better. I'm thinking, okay, you're signing up, right? Because if you've got a suggestion, back it up with some action. Get up there and do something about it. This is a volunteer organization, people. I mean, if you, if you think people should do, you think the music should be better, the kid things should be better, the, the air conditioning should be, well, okay, be, be, in, be in charge of that then. Step up and be positive. Make something happen. So, here's some practicalities. How do we escape negative influence and how do we cultivate Christian koinonia? And if you haven't paid attention yet, pay attention now. How do we, here's some practical steps for doing things. First part, how do we escape from bad company? Escape velocity practicalities. Recognize, you, gotta, you have to recognize when bad influence is flowing into you. And you have to be somewhat spiritually aware to realize that. You've got to be able to turn the TV off at times. I have walked out of some movies. And they're very glad to give you your money back. You can come back another time. They're very nice about that. But you don't have to sit through it if, if some bad stuff is flowing into your head. I personally can't handle lots and lots of violence. Now, I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying I can't. It, it's like a tattoo on my brain and I can't get rid of it. So if I see a lot of violence on something, I have to turn it off. Wendy watches like hospital shows and I have to leave the room when they're going to the emergency room because it just, it flows in the wrong way. Recognize those places and turn the TV off and walk out of the movie theater and change the radio station. If someone's just haranguing things in a negative way on the radio, change it to something else because once it starts to influence you, it's going to change the way you are can be media, can be reading, can be education. I don't spend a lot of money on books. You know you can get any book in the world now for like 25 cents at a library? Because they've got these bookstores right next to libraries and you go in there and use books and you buy them. And I pick up these books and I start reading them. But you know what I've started doing? I've started getting rid of them if I'm partway into it and it's putting darkness in my head. I don't need that. Learn how to put the book away, turn off the TV, change the channel, walk out of the movie theater, get your refund, whatever you need to do, because we don't want stuff coming in. I like to go surfing. I haven't surfed much since the sharks have been back, but I've spent a lot of time out in the lineup. 
And if someone starts using bad language out in the lineup, people paddle away. Because it's just, it's just bad juju to be around that stuff. You're out here to have a good time. You're out here to be in the sun. You're not here to have somebody complaining about this and complaining about that and cussing up and the, the waves aren't any good. You don't have to be around that. Paddle away. Learn how to paddle away in your own life. Get out of those conversations that go that way. Workplace and school. Some places we can't leave because we have to go there because we're going to school, we're going to work, and we have to really navigate those places. We have to be careful to keep the one-way valve going. You've seen one-way valves in, in water, but they just close a certain way, it'll open a certain way. That's what we need when we're around places where we can't get out of those places. Or we just say, you know, whatever. When Wendy worked at the, at the uh, business class lounge at the airport, when people got abusive, she would just say, no, you need to stop talking about, quit talking that way right now because first of all, I didn't cause the storm that made your plane late. And second of all, I'm not in charge of the maintenance of that airplane and you can talk respectfully to me or you just can stop talking. And I think we have to have those kinds of boundaries. Pundits with hate. There are people, because we have such a huge media world, who agree with you politically or spiritually but are hateful. And learn to discern between the ones who are not hateful and the ones who are. And they might all agree with you and vote the way you do. But stay away from toxic people. I've turned off a couple of things lately. People I agree with, but they just go over the line and start hating on people. I don't want to hear that. Hate is toxic for us. We have to be careful. I'm not saying change your political opinions. I'm saying hang around people with your political opinions who are positive and find teachers and pundits who are more positive. And one of the most practical things you can do is get baptized. Where does Peter, where does Peter here talk about heaven and hell in this passage? He doesn't. I'm not saying heaven and hell aren't real. It's, that's, it's not the issue here. The issue for Peter is you're in with the wrong people. You need to get in with the right people. And baptism is a great way to symbolize washing that out. Wasn't there a song once, I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair? Something like that. It's, just, it, it's a symbol of cleansing yourself from where you've been. Saying, I'm going to start over. I'm going to be around better people. And that's what Peter's talking about here. Be around better people. So you might think, well, I'm not ready for baptism today. I didn't bring a swimsuit. People, it's a hot day. Just go in your clothes. Come out. You'll be fine. We'll, we'll find towels. You'll, you'll be good. Just, this is, this, is, this is why they do lots of immersion baptisms in Georgia because it's so hot. If people go, let's go down to this thing down to the river and down they go and they all jump in. So if, if you feel like symbolizing that shift of escape velocity and making a new community, if you want to commit to that today, today's your day. Let's do that. Baptism is one of the best ways to mark that. I used to be real legalistic about what baptism means. Not anymore. Uh, it's, it can mean a lot of different things in the Bible. For Peter, it means away with the old, in with the new is terms of relationships. And that's clearly what this passage is about. Therefore, this is Romans 6.4. This is Paul talking about how baptism is a symbol. Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. Baptism is a symbol of living a new life. And living a new life is not just a mental shift. It's a new community. It's being intentional about the people you're with. 
we had dinner with Chris and Tom the other night, and every time I spend time with Chris and Tom, I feel better afterwards. They are good influences on us. And we go away appreciating music more, appreciating food more, because she's an amazing cook, um, appreciating a whole bunch of things, and that's what we ought to be looking for in fellowship. Even so, we should also walk in newness of life. So what is that new gravitational field? We come out of the old gravitational field and we get captured by the new one. When the Apollo astronauts went 25,000 miles an hour and escaped Earth's velocity, they shot like a golf ball towards the moon's gravitational field. And the moon starts to pick up and pull them into the moon. What's the new gravitational field you want to be in? Here's the practicalities recognize the collective nature of salvation. We are saved individually, but a salvation doesn't stick unless we commit to a new community. We have to be around people who bring us forward, who help us become more prosperous, more wise, better in our relationships. That's what we want to be around. There's a collective nature to salvation, and Americans don't get this. It's just me and Jesus and we're going to have this contract. It has nothing to do with anyone else. Well, it does have something to do with everyone else. The company you keep will become the person you become. You, well, something like that. Be receptive to spirit filling. Peter says here, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide you. This is not just getting rid of one group of people and coming into another. The Holy Spirit will guide you in this process. Cultivate spirit-filled influencers. Find people in your life that are spiritually ahead of you and hang around them. Who here wants to be more responsible in life? Anybody? Hang around Robert. Robert's the most responsible person I've ever seen. He's sitting in the back over there. He'd probably be embarrassed that I say it, but he's like, if he says he's going to do something, he'll do it. And he's super responsible. Hang around someone like Robert. Hang around people you want to be like. Hang around those people. Get into the Bible. The Bible is full of all kinds of dead influencers. But they're still, they're still speaking to us. And these people, Tamara's up here saying, get into the Bible reading. These, this is the best of the best of the company you can keep. These are amazing people. And let those new communities re uh, renew your mind. Some of you might think, our faraway friends, this is a fun-sized church here. We're a very large church on the outside. We've got coast to coast and everything else. And those of you watching on TV, you might think, well, I can't be a part of Sunday mornings. We have two people, Bud and Janet, who will help you form a new community in your home. And they're very committed to that. And we have a brand new email, farawayfriends4u at gmail.com. Janet just joined our team because Bud wanted also a female who could talk to women in a way that men can't. And so now we've got both Bud and Janet doing this. Janet lives in Colorado. She's been following our stuff for a long time. She posts on our Facebook group constantly. Neat person, wise person, and trained in a lot of these things. So if you're a faraway friend, we love you, and you can form a new community. And we want to help you do that, and Bud and Janet would be glad to help you with that. Close with one verse here. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and our minds are renewed by the people around us. So choose those people well. Choose people ahead of you. 
Some people choose people behind them because they want to feel important. But I think it's a really, imp whenever I'm in sports or athletics or anything else, I try to be with people better than me. Because I tend to play up to where they're at rather than playing down to where I would be. Don't abandon the world, but make sure the flow of living fresh water is going outward from you and not the other way around. Acts 2 at 42 and following next week to be continued. I invite the worship team up. Let's uh, stand and let's pray. Oh, Lord, you, you call the church your body. A body has different parts, different functions, but it's one body. And Lord, we Christians invite, invented the word membership literally from the body, dismembered or, or a member of our body. A dismembered is cut off. Lord, a lot of people got cut off during the pandemic, Lord, and we want to bring them back into the body, back into fellowship back into eating together, back into koinonia, back into celebrating the good news together. We pray, Lord, for the people getting baptized, making a step and saying, I want, uh, I want the new life. I want to be influenced by people ahead of me, not people who drag me down. So we pray, Lord, that you would bless all of us as we Continue to gather on Sunday mornings. Bless our faraway friends, Lord. Help them to uh, get connected with Bud and Janet and learn to form good community and learn, Lord, to learn from that and grow from that. Lord, help us be mindful this week of those five people around us that influence us the most. Perhaps one or two have to go. And perhaps we need to seek out new people to influence us. And Lord, send some of us as missionaries and evangelists into the dark stuff, but make us confident that the flow is going outward and not coming inward. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless us as we go through this book of Acts. There's so much wisdom in here. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
that's Phil Eusebi. Phil Eusebi is in the hospital, and they're keeping him for several days because he's got some very serious liver issues, which are connected to his old heart issues, connected to everything else. And I just want to say something about Phil. Phil understands koinonia, churchmanship, better than anyone I know. Uh, he's here every Sunday. He brings his sons. He contributes his musical talent, and he's probably, there's nobody in this church more generous than this, but that way. So he understands what, what Peter was talking about today, in a big way. And he influences us, and he affects our church, so when he's not here, we feel it. So I just invite you to join with me in praying for total and complete healing for him. It's pretty serious stuff. He's had some big physical challenges in his life. Let's pray. Lord, we want to close with uh, praying for Phil, our brother. And he is such an example to all of us, Lord. He understands koinonia, having things in common. And the importance of community. The importance of family. The importance of generosity. And Lord, he has been plagued with physical stuff for years. Serious stuff. And he continues to prevail. Lord, we pray for nothing more and nothing less than total and complete healing for Phil. This has to end. We pray, Lord, for fantastic medical care to get right at the heart of this. We pray for excellent attitude for him. I know that's so important for healing. The faith to, I'm going to get better. Give him energy where he feels fatigued towards this tires him out. And send your supernatural healing to him, Lord. We love him. He's important to us. And Lord, uh, he's what this whole passage in Scripture is all about. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Continue to pray for Phil. And we'll keep you posted on the Facebook group. And please grab some snacks on the way out. And uh, talk to at least two or three people you don't know that well. And say, hi, I'm glad you're here. And, uh, let's do that. And also join us. Who doesn't like fried chicken? <laughs> join us at Seabridge Park. And uh, we're going to bring some pop-ups and some chairs. If you didn't bring anything, just show up anyways. We'll figure it out. So we clean up one order. We don't have any specific time. Get there if you can. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah.